Welcome to Ascending Olympus, the Inner Sanctum's Olympics and Paralympics podcast. I'm your host, Jackie, and as always, I'm joined by Dan today. Hey, Jackie, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's, um, it was nice to have a week off last week. <laughs> it was. I was, um, I think we're a bit tired. There's been an awful lot going on and then all of a sudden there was nothing. So um, we ended up talking a little bit about footy and um <laughs> things like that offline rather than any sort of Olympic stuff. So we thought we might take a week off, but it's good to be back in the chair and, and in front of the mic. So glad to be here. Yeah. I mean, you've got to be a little bit happier that you're not in lockdown anymore. I am. I've, you know, as you can see on screen and, um, you know, no one else can see, I am far neater than I was this time two weeks ago when we last recorded the hair's cut, the beard's shaved. Um, other than that, I haven't really been outside yet, but That'll come over the next few days. Yeah. And the bet was correct that the Paralympics finished before the end of lockdown. That was a bet we made pre-Olympics when lockdown was starting. So all those months ago, purposes. we were right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That bet was made so long ago. I and mean, we were just joking around about it. And now I'm still stuck in lockdown. Not for long now. You'll be out soon, I'm sure. That's true. Yeah. At least I hope. Um. We'll go with our first topic of today, which is, it's not a happy bit of news. It's more of an unfortunate thing, but Amanda Spratt, Australian cyclist, has received a diagnosis for her injury. And Dan, you can probably better explain it than I can. Yeah. So I mean, we, we look at Spratt's 2021 season and all the way along, it probably didn't go quite as hoped. Um, that was no clearer than at the Olympics where um, as Spratty herself said after the games, that was one of her worst days on the bike ever, uh, which is really not a good time to have one of the worst days of, the, of your life on the bike. But it kind of makes sense a little bit. So she's since been diagnosed with iliac artery endofibrosis, um, which is a health condition that is not uncommon to professional cyclists. And it's basically a kinking and hardening of the arteries in the legs particularly around the hips. Um, and it's not a great injury, obviously, but the recovery and return to full training is about five or six months, which gives Brady a delayed start to the season next year. But her current teammate, Sarah Roy, underwent the procedure a couple of years ago and has returned probably better than pre-injury. Um, and her former teammate, Annemiek Van Vluten, who... We know how good Van Vluten is, um, has also undergone the procedure um, and recovered just as well. So there's plenty of chance. And, and Sprat's got some pretty big goals for next year. She's got the Tour de France Femme, possibly the Com Games, and then uh, a home road world championships in September. Um, and those are some realistic goals for her. So she'll be hoping to recover in about five or six months, be back to full training and be back racing sort of mid-season and um you know, she's confident that she will be all right and that this is just a blip and, and we're hopeful that that's the case and that Sprady's back in good health soon. Yeah, and I mean, the end of the season, as far as like the World Championships coming to an end, we've obviously seen a couple of other injuries. Dan Bluton is one of them, which... Yeah, seems... she's, got, she's got two fractures in her pelvis. Yeah. Which sounds incredibly painful um, but she is optimistic about the recovery so she was first told it was going to be three weeks horizontal for recovery um, and then after surgery she was told you can sit up you can wait bearers tolerated basically from now which sounds crazy um, 
but it does I, mean that she'll get an off season to recharge. The um, I think it was shared on her Instagram the video of her actually like walking, and I think it was only three meters or so when she was just like two or three days out of surgery. I was like, athletes are superhuman in the sense of the way that their bodies recover compared to non professional athletes is amazing and you see it time and time again but it never fails to shock you yeah i mean that that's just one way in which they're superhuman there's there's so many others we see particularly with the cyclists the bike handling and the ability to handle the speed and the danger of cycling in a big bunch at high speed they manage to escape crashes that anyone else is like oh yeah it's gonna go down here um, and Van Vluten's no different, and Spratty's no different as well. So I think they'll both be back next season, and um, all should be fine on that front. And Jackie, you had a bit of a look at one of the other summer Olympic sports that has had some news recently. Yeah, so the FINA World Cup for swimming um, <laughs> has been ongoing for the past couple of days. Um, I think it was actually last week specifically. But Australia had some pretty good results. It is a short course event uh which means that it is in the 25 meter pool rather than the 50 meter pool uh australia in the end finished second in the medal table which we love to see we beat the americans which is even better um germany on home soil in berlin did finish in first uh with six gold six silver four bronze whereas australia just had like just six six gold three silver and one bronze um standouts obviously were emma mckeon i think no one is surprised taking 50 free gold and 100 free gold and then we had carl chalmers taking the exact same medals in the men's and maddie wilson won 200 free as and holly barrett won the 50 fly yeah i mean Maddie Wilson is my star of the World Cup. Um, silver in the women's 100 meters, gold in the women's 200 meters, and doing so less than a month since she was discharged from hospital in Italy with COVID. It's a pretty remarkable turnaround for someone who has been very public and visible about how much COVID really rocked her despite being vaccinated. Um, and the fact that she's back racing and racing at that level is brilliant news for her and for everyone. Well, also though, that was just leg one of the World Cup. We have just had leg two this weekend um, in Hungary, which the Americans led the medal tally in that one with eight gold. Australia Don't won talk another. About that. Yeah, it's fine. I'm not going to like detail all their medals. Um, Australia won six again. This time, McKeon won three gold medals. I think she also broke the fifty freestyle world record on the short course uh and Kyle Chalmers won the same two gold medals the additional gold that McCann picked up was the 50 meter butterfly and Maddie Wilson also again won the 200 freestyle and it's just like not only has Wilson come back and she's winning but she's consistently winning at tournaments where there is still a little bit of travel also going on in between them like that those two events were only a week apart less than a week apart actually it was the third versus the seventh even so i mean we've got uh leg three next weekend in qatar and then leg four not long afterwards so there is still a chance for some of these swimmers to really post a strong end of season result when they get to kazan in in a few weeks time so it'll be really exciting to see how they wrap up their season 
Um, obviously, some of the big Aussie swimming names aren't there. Arnie Titmus is enjoying a holiday in Australia, for example. Um, <laughs> well among, deserved. A, among a number of Australian medalists. So it makes sense that they're uh, having some time off and not dominating the pool the same way that we did at the Olympics. But it's great to see, especially with a number of big competitions coming up next year with Worlds and Comp Games. Yeah, and... I mean, you cannot fault Emma McKeon's season, realistically. Um, from She's just gone from strength to strength as far as like Australian nationals um, and then to the Olympics and now in this World Cup event. It is incredible. And they're also doing the, I think it's called the ISL. Yeah, the International Swimming League. Yeah, so they're doing the ISL, um, which is currently on a bit of a break. But then they'll go back to that. And there's quite a few big Australian names competing in that. They're not competing under the banner of Australia. They're in different teams that are mixed up country by country. But some big, exciting swimming competitions to end out 2021. Yeah, I mean, it's a great way to finish the season. And Anna Keen has just gone on a tear this season. She's been unstoppable basically anytime she raced. So it's really exciting to see her finish the season strong as well. And hopefully that carries her forward to next year. But there's something else that's on our horizon for next year. And we were already fretty about the fact that it's only 115 days away. Jackie, what's 115 days away? Beijing 2022. And I know that you were saying two weeks ago, three weeks ago, even like a month ago that you were like, stop talking about the Winter Olympics. It's making me anxious. But um, yeah, Beijing is now super close. It's less than four months away. Um, we're seeing more olympic qualifier events there is a pre-qualifier event for the curling this week but you can now see the sense of excitement about it both with the winter sports seasons properly starting in october but also there's just getting a little bit more engagement on social media as far as talking about beijing rather than talking about paris which was happening in a fair bit in september yeah absolutely and a lot of the australian athletes who are going to go to the Winter Olympics who are trying to qualify for the Winter Olympics have left Australia now um, and won't be returning until March. Basically, they're going to compete over the season, either in Europe or in Asia or in America, um, try and qualify for the Olympics and then make their way home afterwards. But it's pretty exciting. And, and one of the big kind of sports that's on your radar, Jackie, we talked about it last time we were on the figure skating, but there's been more news and more surprises, haven't there? Yeah, uh, so... I would call the competition that was last weekend, which was the Finlandia Classic event, um, in a way, a bit of a pre-Olympic test event. Um, there is genuine Olympic test events about to happen in Beijing, but this is one that a lot of athletes from North America and Europe and also Australia went to. And our, Olymp like our two prospects in the men's and our two prospects in the women's both were at this competition. Uh, the Australians did not have their best competition. Um, no one finished inside the top 10 in any of the events. Granted, in the Junior Grand Prix, the pairs team, they did finish in the top five and they beat a Russian team, which was very impressive. But the big, like, interesting thing about this Finlandia competition is how high the scores were. It's, yeah. it's October. Like, I'll start that with that. Your programs are expected to get better as the season goes on. We saw a world record get broken in the women's. Yeah, I, um, I still don't understand that. Can you explain it to me again? Because I know we tried off air, but it just didn't work for me. Yeah, 
So the skater is Camilla Valieva. And I'll say not only did she break the women's world record in the free skate, she also broke the combined world record, um, which is her short program score and her free program score put together because her free skate score was huge. Uh, she got a 174.31. That was higher than every other man except for one in the free skate. The man that came second got a 174.23 and she only lost to the top man by two points. Um, That's insane. But the kicker is that the women are like scored on a factor that is 20% lower than the men's for their components, which is different to the technical score. But it means that if it was on the same scoring components, um, same factor for the scoring components, she would have had another 20 points to her name and would have had like an 190, which the real weird thing about this is she had a fall in her program, which you just wouldn't expect someone to break a world record with a fall in their program. She's a lovely skater. She has three quads in her program, which very few other women can do. There's probably four women currently that are doing quads in the seniors but yeah it's just that fall makes you go huh <laughs> this score's a bit high is <laughs> probably the like best way to put it and it's just like has smashed the previous world record out of the park so does it look like it's a kind of almost like a judging error or a, a scoring error or what, what do you think's caused kind of such a significant spike in the score um, I mean, I could say controversial things. She is from a skating school and has a coach that is very prestigious, which, like it or not, does kind of help your scores. Skaters that leave this school often have their scores get bumped down a couple of points the next season if they choose to continue competing. It's realistically just that she's gotten massive grade of execution scores on the jumps that were clean and on her spins and step sequence. Like that's the big thing. I don't think that her component score is actually that obscene. There's parts of it where you're like, that's a bit high, but then there's also parts where you're like, I mean, everyone's getting component scores that are a little bit too high this year, but yeah, it's just those GOEs and the fact that she's doing quads realistically, and maybe some of those quads should be getting rotation calls. Um, that's up to different technical panels discretion realistically that's the best way to put that it'll be really interesting to see whether she carries the form forward over the rest of the competitions leading into the olympics and then into the olympics as well whether there is kind of a correction on the score and she comes back to earth and to the pack a little bit yeah it makes her the favorite to be in that russian olympic team they've only got three spots um with a score like that puts you in a good position there's the grand prix coming up in figure skating which will be a heavy decider for the russian team um especially if they can get four or five skaters into the grand prix final but it's not until russian nationals which will be around christmas time um whether we'll find out like what that team is realistically going to be starting to look like so that means that we get to talk about this every week until christmas not every week. <laughs> there's there's not going to be Australians in the Grand Prix, so we might, like, skip some events unless, like, super interesting stuff happens. Fair enough. But it's not just the figure skating that is generating waves on ice at the moment, right? <laughs> I wouldn't call it waves. <laughs> That's just a bit of a strange way to put it. But 
Yeah, the speed skating has had its season opener um, this past weekend. And it very much seems like it was the Dutch that dominated. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to confess, I don't know much about speed skating, but I can read scoreboards too. And it does look like the Dutch dominated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every Australian knows Stephen Bradbury. That's probably the extent of a lot of Australian speed skating knowledge at the same time. But yeah, it's, it's an exciting season as far as the speed skating is concerned. It'll. I'm curious to see how much the Asian comp, like Asian competitors, so Japan and Korea especially, uh, end up going up against the European competitors because the Korean uh, speed skating is phenomenal and they just have gotten better and better over the past couple of Olympic cycles. So I'd like to maybe see some of them at some of these World Cups going up against one another as like little Olympics teasers. But it's exciting because we're now actually seeing with these ice events, uh, Olympic test events in Beijing. So speed skating had one last weekend and by the sounds of it, it went quite well and then figure skating will be having one next weekend or this weekend coming up um and yeah it's just like you can see that it's there's the energy in the air for the olympics at least and the warm-up for these competitions and getting to see top level athletes going to these test events um rather than it just being like chinese nationals at these events yeah i mean it'll be really interesting to see Obviously, with the test events, we're going to see some indication of what's to come, but a lot of it is going to be deceiving. It's still early season. A lot of athletes haven't hit their form or their stride, really, with what they're going to do for the rest of the year. But it will give us an idea of how, the, I mean, certainly for the course events, the, the skiing events and the sliding events, it'll give us an idea of how the course is going to look and, and run. Um, and with some of those skating events, it'll give us an idea of what we're sort of looking to expect from athletes as they kind of improve over the season and get ready for the Olympics. Yeah. And it's also that we're going to start to get to see some of these venues. A lot of the venues in Beijing will be existing. Um, that is a big part of the current Olympic movement is to be use, heavily using existing venues. But we're going to start to see some of the new venues that are getting built and it looks like they are quite prepared, all things considered. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that we'll have plenty to talk about as they do kind of kick off. And, and hopefully there will be some Australians who really set some high standards, certainly in the bobs that we've got a couple of promising teams and only one of them is going to make it, whether it's Pretty Walker's team or Ash Werner's team, we're not yet sure, but one of them hopefully will make it um, and, and that'll be a chance for them. And I don't think either of them are going to actually be at the test event, but they're going to be starting to pile in those World Cup points in the hope of qualifying. Yeah, which it is interesting, those sports where it's not based on one or two specific events, um, like figure skating and speed skating is, but it's actually based on your world ranking, which is a lot more prevalent in the Winter Olympics than it is in the Summer Olympics. Summer Olympics, so much of it is just qualifying times. Yeah. Um, and that's where when I was looking it up off air, I was just like, oh, it's the top 50 that make it in. <laughs> and that's where I was just like, bobsled, it to me makes sense that it would just be qualifying times, but alas not. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how it goes. Which this is one that you will fall off your chair for, I think. If we look a little bit further into the future of 2022, which is a massive year for sport in general, 
we are less than 300 days away from the Commonwealth Games. As far as recording, I believe it's 289. So it'll be 287 on Thursday when the episode gets uploaded. But like the Olympics is just past. It feels way too soon. Yeah, I mean, it it is. And we're starting to see news. There was a a news story today that said that they're looking at a proposal to reduce the number of compulsory sports from 16 to 2 which would mean effectively the Commonwealth Games host only has to run athletics and swimming. And then the rest of the sports, they can kind of choose depending on the facilities that exist there and things like that, which would make it more accessible to other smaller countries to hold. The downside is that it probably reduces the scope of really top-level competition for some of those sports like netball, for example, that really the the Commonwealth Games is a pinnacle event for them. But the fact that we're within 300 days is starting to scare me, if I'm honest. <laughs> I mean, as far as the uh, 16 to 2 compulsory sports, I think that if it can help with para sports and allow more para, like, para athletes to compete in different sports, that could help um, as far as it goes. But also losing netball, which has been a pretty big part of the Commonwealth Games for the past couple of cycles is gonna hurt if that does eventuate yeah it i i think that we'll see what happens there netball i imagine is still going to probably be a pretty significant part of it there aren't too many countries that don't have the facilities to to really host a proper netball tournament Um, i think it might be more relevant to some of the water sports things like sailing for example is not something that can easily be held in every country um, if you're landlocked, sailing, for example, is pretty difficult. Just um, put it on a really big lake. It's fine. But I, I think that, you know, it'll vary case to case, but I, I don't think we will see the disappearance of any sports in particular, but it might be that there's the occasional com games. But, you know, we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, well, and that's, you're right. It wouldn't be the disappearance. It just might be that it's not there or it only appears every eight years or... However, often baseball appears at the Olympics because that's sporadic as well. Yeah, absolutely. But might call it a day for this one. So this has been Ascending Olympus. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram now at Ascending Pod. You can read any stories we have about Olympics, Winter Olympics, the sports that are relevant to those events as well at theinnersanctum.com.au. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.